Now let's open our Bibles again this evening to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We began looking at these verses last time, verses in which the apostle is exhorting believers, that is, God's children, to put off the conversation of the old man and to put on the new man. In this chapter, of course, the apostle Paul is dealing with the believer's walk in this world. You notice back in verse 1 when he began this practical section of the letter, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy. He's dealing with the believer's walk in this world, that we walk worthy of the vocation, the calling wherewith we have been called. And that calling is God's effectual call when he called us out of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We are to walk worthy of that holy, high, heavenly calling. And he's continuing on in these verses tonight. When we looked at some of these verses last time, I had us turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we looked at a list of the works of the flesh, that is, that which is the conversation of the old man. We do not read there of the works of the Spirit. We read of the works of the flesh, but not the works of the Spirit. We read of the fruit of the Spirit. Let's look back a few pages and see that. In Galatians chapter 5, just a couple of pages back, After listing 
the works of the flesh. Then he said in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And then he lists the works of the flesh, and then down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, not the works of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The things that the new man is to put on are produced by God the Holy Spirit who lives in the child of God. I want you to look back also to Matthew chapter 12, just a moment. Or let me read this verse, if you would like. Matthew chapter 12, these words of the Lord. You know, people have the idea that you just turn over a new leaf. You just... uh, Make a resolution. You want to be a better person. You join a church and, and you take on the, the name of a Christian. But that doesn't solve the problem. The problem is the heart. The heart that is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And that's the reason a man must be born again. Or as our Lord says here, the tree must be made good first and then the fruit will be good but just to try to produce good fruit in the energy of the flesh and many people do that but that's not what the apostle Paul is speaking of in our text here in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33 the Lord Jesus said either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. That's so so easy to understand, isn't it? When you see a tree with apples on it, you don't have to wonder what kind of tree that is. It's an apple tree. It's an apple tree. It has apples upon it. And when men and women are born of the Spirit of God and have this new man living within us, and the Holy Spirit living within us, then the fruit of the Spirit is good fruit, love, joy, peace, these things that the Apostle mentioned there in Galatians 5. Now, Paul gives some particulars. He gives some particulars contrasting the conversation or the walk that is to be put off and the conversation, the walk, which is to be put on. Now, we looked at two of those last time. Lying is to be put off, and speaking the truth is to be put on. Lying, the flesh, the old man. Speaking the truth, the new man, the fruit of the Spirit, the new man. And a second one we looked at, being angry and sinning is to be put off. The works of the flesh being angry and sinning. The works, or the fruit rather, of the Spirit, the new man, is to be angry and not sin. Now, before we go on this evening, I want to call our attention once again 
to that verse, verse 23, that is sandwiched between these two verses where Paul says, put off and put on. In verse 23, here in our text, Ephesians 4 and verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now he's writing to believers. He's not writing to lost people. He's writing to believers. Their minds have already been renewed. That's part of regeneration. But we must continue to renew our minds. That's our responsibility. And he's given means whereby our minds are continually being renewed. The Word of God, preaching, prayer, fellowship of the saints. All of these things are very important and we neglect them to our detriment because we need continually our minds to be renewed, renewed so that we put off and put on the things of the new man. Now let's go on with these particulars. There's, I believe, four more. Number three, he says, do not give place to the devil. Do not give place to the devil. Giving place to the devil. What, is, what does that mean? Giving place to the devil is living, walking, our conversation that is associated with the old man and resisting him. Give not place to the devil, but to resist him is associated with the new man. Now, the, the noun, the, the name devil, we know that he is called Satan. But devil, that's one of his names also, and it describes him. That word devil tells us what he is, and that is he is a slanderer. He slanders. <laughs> he accuses. That's his work. Resist the slanderer. That's what we're told to do. Resist the slanderer, not give place to the devil. In James, the apostle said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, when we think about the devil slandering, and this is so, he slanders, he may insinuate in your mind, slander towards a fellow believer. Don't give place to that. Don't, get, don't listen to that slander. He may slander the Bible, a Bible truth. The Bible truth, for instance, of election and, and perseverance of the saints and, and God's limited atonement. He may slander these things. Resist that. Don't give place to that. Don't listen to that. Be, be grounded in the word of God. Resist Satan, and he will flee. He may slander you to yourself, right? He may slander you to yourself and tell you how sorry you are and how you could not possibly be a child of God. He, he's a slander, and he's sly. He's sly. In the, next, in the chapter 6 of Ephesians, we are told, that, uh, or we read rather, of his fiery darts. 
these fiery darts, and we're, we are given the shield of faith by which we quench these fiery darts. Now, Martin Luther was quoted. I've read this before, and I can't give you a word-for-word word quote, but this is, this is what he said. He said, I can't keep birds from flying over my head. I just can't do that. But I can keep them from building a nest in my head. And we experience thoughts that come across our mind, and it may be one of those fiery darts that Satan has hurled at us. Take the shield of faith. Resist Satan. Don't give place to the devil. One of the best helps here, when we think about resisting and not giving place to him, is to fill and to occupy our minds with good things rather than evil things, good things. Look over the other way in the Bible, uh, forward in the next little letter of Philippians, if you will, in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. This, this is Paul's admonition to believers. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest. You know, believers must be careful about what they put into their mind. Someone one time said, garbage in, garbage out. You put garbage in, that's what's going to come out. Uh, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. These things, these things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So that's the third particular here that Paul deal, deals with. Neither give place to the devil. The fourth, do not steal. In verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that, which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Do not steal. Do not steal, but work that you may have to give to those in need. You might think, well, was it necessary? Was it really necessary that the Apostle Paul would need to write believers, children of God, to quit stealing, <laughs> not to steal anymore? Well, the Holy Spirit thought so. He's the one that inspired this, this word that the apostle wrote. He's the one that deemed it necessary. You know, stealing may be done in different ways. But it all comes down to this. It is taking something or using something that belongs to someone else without their permission. That's what it basically amounts to. Let him that stole... That was your way of life. The old man didn't think anything about pilfering and taking things off the job, things that didn't belong to him, just appropriating them to himself. But that's old man and his conduct and 
his conversation, that's to be put off and put on the new man. I want you to look over to 2 Thessalonians, and this is something that when we think about stealing, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, there were people in this church, and this church of all the churches, as far as doctrinal problems, I don't think you find that in the, in the letters of Thessalon Thessalonians, either 1st or 2nd Thessalonians. Paul was in this city for just a short time. He went there, I believe, from, from Berea, and uh, the Lord raised up a church there. But notice when he writes back the second time to them in verse in chapter 3, uh, verse 10 and 11, he says, and he felt it necessary to write this. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now, that's a way of stealing someone who would not work but depended upon other people. Now, we're talking about able-bodied men. We're not talking about people who are, who are injured or sick or handicapped or anything like that, but people who physically and mentally are able to work, and yet they just let someone else support them. That's a form of stealing. And Paul had to admonish the people in the church at Thessalonica about this because he said for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly working not at all but are busybodies now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat or earn their own bread the remedy against stealing is here given, isn't it? Let him that stole steal no more, but rather work. Work with his hands. And it's not only working with your hands, Paul says, to provide for your own needs and the needs of your family. And also there in, to the church at Thessalonica, he said if a man doesn't provide for his own family, he's worse than an infidel. And it's denied the faith. But... Uh, the remedy is to work and to earn money to take care of yourself and then to have to give to others the joy of giving to others. The Lord Jesus Christ said this, It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's a real joy, isn't it, to be able to work, to be able to work and to earn money and have enough not only to take care of yourself and your family, but also to give to others who are in need. To give. It's a blessing. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And our Lord also said this, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be given to you again. I read just today a story, and this took place in the 1800s, I'm sure, in England. 
But this young boy had a sixpence, a shiny sixpence. Now, I've never understood English coins. <laughs> Just be honest. But I know that that's not a pound in their money. Sixpence. It probably would be a little bit more than six pennies. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, he had a shiny sixpence. He, gave, he, he held it up to his Sunday school teacher and told her, he said, Here, teacher, give this to Jesus. Well, it wasn't much. And at first she said, Well, <laughs> I can't do that. No, he said, I want you to give this to Jesus. So she took it home, and that night she prayed about it, and the next morning she took the sixpence and went to the store and bought some flour and some fruit and something else. I can't remember exactly what all she bought. Brought it home and cooked and made some buns and put those few buns in a dish and put them in the front window and put a sign there for sale. But it wasn't long. They were all sold. Next day, she took that money and bought more flour and more. And then, after a while, she uh, added something else. She started selling alongside those buns. And then, eventually, she started also selling Bibles. And the preacher, the pastor who told this story, she showed him, she told him the story, and she showed him her ledger. And out of that sixpence, which was very small, and her work, what she did with that money, her work, that ledger book had like 150 pounds, George Mueller's Orphanage. 200 pounds, China Inland Mission. And, the, and just things like that, that. That little, little as much, I believe there's a song, little as much, when God is in it. When those few loaves of bread and few fish were in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, they became much, right? Little is much. But the point is, it's a joy to be able to give. And that young boy, that young lad wanted to give, and he did give, and out of his giving, it was multiplied many times over and put into spreading the gospel in the world. Number five, do not be guilty of corrupt language, but let good and gracious words come out of your mouth. Now, corrupt language we recognize to include filthy and unclean words, but that's not the only way that corrupt language proceeds out of our mouth. Boastful proud, arrogant speaking. That's corrupt language, too. It really is. And in my mind, the use of God's name. And folks, I've said this before, and I just remind us again tonight, we live in such a time that most people have no idea of the command, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, and to use his name in conversation and frivolously and as an exclamation every time something happens is taking God's name in vain. And God said that his enemies 
take his name in vain. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Be recognized that, the, that God's name, that's, that's God. That, that rep, represents him, the name of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. What does that mean? That means to call upon the Lord. His name is him. And he said, don't take my name in vain. That's one of the commands, wasn't it? He gave to Israel of old. You say, is that still for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. But then gracious, edifying words. That's the fruit of the Spirit. This is what should proceed out of our mouth. And let me, let me say this. Just as I tie, making these notes up yesterday, just as I got to this point, exactly at this point, I received a text. And it was filled with gracious words that ministered unto me. Gracious words. That's what, what is man here, isn't it? Our conversation, when we speak to one another, when we speak to others, we should encourage people and we should lift up. And if we stick with the gospel... That'll always be gracious words if we minister the gospel to, to those, to the ears of those that we uh, speak with. And the sixth thing, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby believers are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now the first truth to see here when Paul says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's called the third person in the Godhead, but he is a person. And being called third doesn't mean that he is less than the, the Father and the Son. When we think of that, it's a parallel line, isn't it? First, second, and third. It's not first, second, and third, because God the Holy Spirit is God, and he is a person. You can't grieve a power, you know, most of the cults, they deny the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, if you come in contact with electrical current, say 220, you may be grieved, probably will be. That current, that power is not going to be grieved. For one to be grieved must be a person. Just as Peter told Ananias, you've lied to God. You can't lie to an immaterial, immaterial being or thing, but to a person. And the whole, that's the first thing we should see here. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's a person. And he is grieved with the conversation of the old man. The things named in this passage, these are things that grieve him. The things that we have already looked at and that which follows. And remember this also, the Holy Spirit is the seal. He himself is the seal. Now we think of a seal. You seal a document with wax or something like that or a little metal uh, thing. But no, God the Holy Spirit, he is the seal. And he has sealed every believer by his presence. He lives in every child of God. Look back to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 
verse 13, the apostle says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Isn't that, that's God's order there. Hearing, you got to hear. How should they believe in him whom they have not heard? Believe, and at that point, a person is sealed. God the Holy Spirit. That's his work of regeneration, and he comes to live in. And notice it was sealed back in the text here. Paul says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. What is that, the day of redemption? Well, most people believe, and I think rightly so, that is speaking of the resurrection of the body. He has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And let me read this passage in 1 Corinthians 15. You're sealed. Your body is sealed with God the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 42, Paul said, So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now I want you to notice this uh, word, it. It is sown in weakness. Now what is it that's buried? It's the body, isn't it? It, the body, is sown in weakness. It is it is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. A body. It is sown in dishonor. It, the body in which we now live, this tent, this tabernacle, it will be buried and it will turn back to the dust. We know that's going to happen, but it's sealed. The body is sealed. You say, well, that, that's hard to believe. That, that's, if it were not God who was doing it, it would be impossible, right? But with God, all things are possible. And I like to think, was it William Tyndall? They dug his bones up, man who gave his life to translating the scriptures into English. They dug his bones up and burned them and took the ashes and threw them into the river and they were washed out to sea. That body is going to be, it was sown in, in, in corruption. It is going to be raised in incorruption. You say, I, well, God, he's able, right? He raised the body of, of our Savior after it was in the grave for three days. You say, yes, but it didn't see corruption. I know that. But the power was put forth. And his power, all power, hasn't been diminished. Here's the last thing. Put off all these things, verse 31. Just put all this off. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Put away from you with all malice. Just put that away. And in its place, <laughs> and in its place, right, put on the new man. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake 
have forgiven you. Put these on. Kindness. Tenderheartedness. Forgiving one another. Forgive even as you have been forgiven. How, how have you been forgiven? Believer, child of God, how have you been forgiven? You've been forgiven for Christ's sake. You've been forgiven freely upon the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ giving himself based on that sacrifice you have been freely forgiven. Now, forgive others. That's part of the model prayer, isn't it? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I trust the Lord will bless these words to all of us here this evening.